Hi, this is episode 57 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have chapter 7 of The Apple Stone by Nicholas Stewart Gray. Chapter 7 is called Detectives. I was bogged down in homework. Since the arrival of the stone, we'd all rushed to get through the stuff each day, in order to have plenty of time left during the evening. But now I couldn't concentrate. And the others hung about, tapping their fingers on the table and sighing, which was no help at all. "'Shall I do it for you?' said Douglas. "'Do you know anything about differential calculus?' I said coldly. "'About as much as you do.' I thought he probably did, but I didn't say so. I just said, "'Stop breathing down my neck.' "'But you're taking so long!' wailed Missy. "'Let me do it,' said Joe. I said it would be cheating, as she was good at math. She said this was no time for excessive virtue, and she took my books and began to work things out on a rough bit of paper. "'Copy them as I go,' said she. "'And don't worry, Jeremy. You won't get too high grades, because I'm doing them all wrong. Otherwise,' she added sweetly, "'they'd smell a rat.' "'Thanks,' I said. While copying my sister's efforts into my exercise book, I tried to explain that my brain had slowed down, owing to the shocks of the previous day. "'If you mean the boa,' said Missy, "'it was just as horrible for me, and I've just learned two verses of The Owl and the Pussycat.' "'You've known that forever,' said Joe. "'Well, I'm going to do my first lesson on the way to school,' put in Douglas, "'and the rest inside my desk during classes.' "'You always do,' I said. "'At last I shut my books, "'and Joe rubbed some ink from her fingers with her handkerchief. "'Now I've something important to say to you all,' said she. "'Douglas applauded, and Missy groaned, "'but my elder sister swept on. "'This is serious. Think about yesterday. "'If you're r ready to apologize,' started Nigel, "'I've been thinking,' said Joe, raising her voice, "'that we ought to limit the things we do with the stone. "'We've had far too much going on at the same time. "'It's nerve-wracking.' "'Yes,' I said. "'Mine are stretched so tight that they'd twang like harp-strings "'if anyone touched them.' "'Ugh,' said Douglas. "'Who'd want to?' "'And I've been thinking, too,' I continued. "'And if you applaud once more, Douglas, I may let you have it.' "'And I thought exactly like Joe.' "'We must swear a solemn oath not to use the apple-stone more than once a day.' "'From inside the silk bag that was now hanging on a stout cord around my neck, "'I heard a small voice say, "'Here, here!' "'I extracted the stone and held it in my hands. "'It gave a self-conscious little—whoops! "'It gave a self-conscious sort of little wobble, and then said, "'It's not that I'm lazy, but it tells, you know, all this drainage of power.' "'It makes me tired and heavy.' "'I'd noticed it seemed heavier, "'but put this down to my own tiredness. "'The stone mumbled something, and then said, "'Oh, for the quiet, the dark of the earth!' "'You're not going to leave us!' cried Joe. "'Missy ran across to me and touched the stone with one finger, very gently. "'Dear Applestone,' said she winningly, "'don't go!' "'Surely, if we only use you once a day,' I began. "'Better not at all,' it said. 
and it drowned our protests by telling us to consider our activities of yesterday. "'I nearly split myself helping to break that Quetzalcoatl business,' it said. "'It took a bit of doing, and I don't intend to do such a thing again, not ever.' "'Oh, we're truly grateful to you,' cried Joe, "'and we don't want you to get tired, "'so we certainly won't work you so hard in the future, "'but do stay with us a little longer.' "'Just once a day, and that's the lot,' said Douglas. "'Can I trust you?' said the stone. "'You may well ask,' said Nigel. "'They so swore not to do anything unless we were all the there, "'and look at yesterday.' "'Yes,' I said. "'Just look at it, will you?' "'The others turned on him as well, and he shut up. "'I said, "'If you don't all make a proper vow and keep it,' "'I glared at the clans,' "'I'm going to give the stone to Dad and ask him to lock it away and not give it back "'if we all go crawling around the floor on our knees pleading for it.' "'He'd probably lock us up, too, if we did,' said Joe. "'Whoops, let's read that differently. "'He'd probably lock us up, too, if we did,' said Joe. "'And suppose he used the stone, not knowing.' "'I hadn't thought of involving Dad in any case.' Luckily, my three younger relatives were so appalled by the idea of the stones leaving them that they were keen to make some vow that would content it. They argued what would be most binding. Douglas wanted us all to prick our hands with a knife and sign an agreement with our blood. Joe said she didn't care what he did with his, but hers was staying where it belonged. And Missy said, why not vow on blue? When we asked what she meant, she quoted, Green is forsaken, yellow's forlorn, blue is the luckiest color that's worn. Lovely, I said, but what we need is something that brings bad luck if we default. I know, said Nigel. Know what, said I. We'll make the vow, and then say, if I break my word, then... And he also quoted, Groweth like the fern to me, "'wasting like the rushes to me, "'and unlasting as the mist of the hill.' "'What's that supposed to mean?' I asked. "'He explained that it was part of a curse "'laid by an elf-woman on a man called Kennedy of Lockabar. "'Joe said, "'What happened to him?' "'Nigel said he didn't know, "'but bet he'd managed to bring the lot on his head somehow. "'All right,' I said, "'we'll use that.' "'I thought it might hold Douglas and Nigel.' No Highlander likes getting on the wrong side of a curse, even in this day and age. Missy said she didn't like the thought of being unlasting. So we took the vow. We solemnly swore not to use the apple stone more than once a day. Loud cheers, said the apple stone. Right, I said, that's that. Now, if we're going to do anything this evening. What do you mean, if, said Douglas. May I finish, I said. "'If you insist. Thank you. I was going to say, let's do something very simple, something that can't possibly go wrong and lead to trouble, something nice,' I said. "'Here, here,' said Joe. "'Here, here,' said the Applestone. "'What, for instance?' demanded Nigel. "'Well—' I found my brain was still in slow motion, and Missy chipped in, saying, "'What about doing her clockwork mouse?' "'Douglas said, "'Why? It would only turn into a real mouse.' "'And you know what it was like when Mrs. Blossom brought one up here,' said he. 
"'Yes,' said Nigel, "'you girls yelling your heads off.' "'I know who yelled the loudest,' said Joe with spirit. "'I was only egging her on,' said Nigel. "'On a very long hook,' said Douglas. "'No mice,' I said. "'There was a goodish pause, while we all thought deeply. "'Then Joe said, "'Well, look here, I found this on my way home. "'It's been lost, and someone will be missing it. "'I've just remembered about it.' "'And she went to her briefcase and took out a glove, "'a leather glove, very soft and well-worn.' "'We could ask it who it belongs to,' said my elder sister, "'and then take it back to them.' "'Lots of fun,' said Douglas, sarcastically. "'It would make a change to do something useful,' snapped Joe. "'But so dull,' said Nigel plaintively. "'Better than homicidal serpents,' I said. "'Which I didn't see, owing to your cheating,' said Nigel.' I wish I had. I bet I wouldn't have got myself hypnotized. <laughs> Actually, Nigel said, I wish I had. I bet I wouldn't have got myself hypnotized. Hypnotized, I corrected him. And I bet you wouldn't, too. You'd have got yourself sacrificed with any luck. Oh, do let's do the glove, pleaded Josephine. I'm sure its owner is sad about it. I hate losing a glove. Think how pleased they'll be to have it back. "'Put it on the table,' I said. "'And none of the others said any more in objection. "'It was funny to see it come to life. "'It wiggled its fingers up and down for a moment or two, "'and then sat up in a sort of way and said, "'Where am I? Where's my hand?' "'What?' said Missy. "'The glove slumped sideways on the table. "'I know. I'm lost,' it said dejectedly. THE WORST HAS HAPPENED. THE DOOM OF GLOVES HAS FALLEN ON ME. LOST! A tear rolled out of its buttonhole. Don't cry, said Missy. You aren't lost, not properly. We're going to take you home. You're found. We seldom or never get home, moaned the glove. But this time, said Joe soothingly, you can just tell us where you live. It'll be easy. Against their wills, because they thought we'd chosen a dull subject, the clans had become interested, and now Nigel said to the glove, quite affably, "'Now, be a brave glove. What's your owner's name?' It sniffed, and then straightened up a little. "'I can't believe I'll have the luck,' it said. "'But, oh, if you can return me, I'll be so happy. I'll be one of the few gloves in the whole history of glovedom.' And here it broke down again. "'No, no,' it sobbed. "'I'm just tormenting myself with hope. "'I'm lost, lost.' "'Come off it,' snapped Douglas. "'Who owns you?' "'Right hand,' snivelled the glove. "'I beg your pardon,' said Joe. "'I belong to right hand.' "'There was a pause. "'Whose right hand?' I said. "'Mine.' "'Right hand belongs to me, and I belong to right hand.' "'I coughed. "'Apart from all that,' I said, "'would you be kind enough to tell us the name of the person "'to whom the right hand is attached?' "'I,' it said, "'I'm deeply attached to it. I love it.' "'There was another silence. "'Listen to me,' said Joe. "'What happens above this right hand? "'I mean, surely there's a wrist.' 
"'Certainly,' said the glove. "'I know it almost as well as I do the hand, a magnificent wrist.' "'And above the wrist there must be an arm,' pursued Josephine. "'I suppose so,' the glove sounded doubtful. "'Don't be silly,' said Douglas. "'It must have an arm. "'Unless you belong to a dismembered body,' he added ghoulishly. "'And if you do,' put in Missy, "'I'm not going to look for it.' "'There may be more to it than I know,' said the glove, "'but I really have little knowledge of anything above the wrist.' "'I mean, my territory stops there, doesn't it?' "'Who pulls you on to your hand?' said Nigel, rather cleverly. "'Another hand,' said the glove, but only a left one, "'a far inferior thing to my own dear right hand. "'Oh, right hand, my friend, my host, my guest!' "'Don't overdo it,' I said. "'You've made your point. "'You want to get back to the hand that wears you.' "'Just try to help us get you there, will you?' "'All right,' it said. "'I'll do my best.' "'You don't know the name of your owner, "'I mean, the owner of your hand,' I amended quickly. "'So could you describe the hand itself? "'Is it a man's hand?' "'It's lovely,' said the glove. "'Warm and alive.' "'It's certainly a man's glove,' put in Joe. "'Well, that narrows things by half,' I said, and then to the glove again. "'Is this hand old or young, can you tell?' "'It moves,' it told us. "'Its heart beats just inside my cuff.' Nigel had stooped over the table and was examining it carefully. Now he said, "'It's got very long fingers.' "'Artistic,' said Nigel. "'The owner, I mean.' "'And careless,' said Joe. "'Look, the button's torn off.' "'Yes, he probably is an artist,' said Douglas excitedly. "'Look at that streak of red paint on the back, "'and a splash of green on the inside of the little finger.' "'We're getting on,' I said. "'How many artists live in the village?' "'Several,' said Joe. "'But I found the glove by the bus stop, "'so he must live on this side of the church. "'That narrows the field again.' "'In fact, it comes down to Mr. Stratton and poor old Dr. Smart.' "'The doctor isn't an artist,' I said. "'Oh, he dabbles. You know he does, Jeremy. "'He's always painting flowers, and they all come out looking like wilting dandelions.' "'Well, he's a possibility,' I admitted. "'What else does the look of the glove suggest?' "'It belongs to someone kind,' said Missy. "'There's a little tuft of cat fur caught in the seam,' "'for he's been stroking a pussy-cat.' "'And he hasn't got a wife,' said Joe. "'Look how that tear on the first finger has been mended, "'all dragged together any which way. "'He did it himself with a darning-needle.' "'And he's poor,' added Jemima, in tones of sympathy, "'because it's old. "'It's very, very old, so he couldn't afford to buy new ones. "'He just had to wear this forever, and now he's lost it. "'He'll be cold,' she said sadly.' The glove took her up on this. "'Cold!' it wailed. "'My hand will be cold without me, "'frozen, frostbitten, covered with snow.' "'It's not snowing,' I said. "'Now then, what have we got? "'An artist, kind and careless and poor, "'living on our side of the village?' "'Probably in a little cottage,' suggested Joe. "'With a cat,' said Missy. "'Mr. Titheridge,' said Douglas decidedly. "'Of course,' said the rest of us together. 
we took the glove to its owner. It jumped about excitedly in Joe's pocket all the way, and kept muttering to itself about the cruelty of fate, and the unlikeliness that it would ever see its home again. We said it was going there now. It said it doubted it. It was right. We knocked on the door of the little old cottage, and the door was opened by a little old man. He had curly gray hair and spectacles, and he wore an apron all speckled with drips of paint. He had a big patch on his sleeve, and the flattest slippers I've ever seen. There were two cats with him. He was obviously the owner of the glove. No, no, said he. I've never seen it before. You must have, protested Joe. I'm sorry, my dear. And then he gave a cry and said the fish was boiling over and fled into the house. As we went back along the lane, the glove kept saying it had told us so. I bet it was his, said Douglas irritably. He just didn't want it back, and I don't blame him. Shh, said Joe. And anyway, it couldn't have been his, I said. It's a big glove, and he had very small hands. You're perfectly right, said Nigel. Yes, yes, said the glove. Right I am. Oh, my lost right hand. Keep quiet, I said, and we'll find it for you. We held a conference by the village green. Recap, I said. A large artist. Kind, said Missy. A bachelor, said Joe. Careless, said Douglas. Like all clever people. Like all careless people, corrected Joe. Hard up, said Douglas. Hold it there, I interrupted. I don't think he is so hard up. The glove is lined with fur, and it's made of good leather. It's an expensive glove, and some people like to wear old gloves till they fall apart. Let's have another look at it. We did so. Ignoring its moaning, we examined it like detectives, looking for important evidence. There's a worn place right across the palm, said Douglas. Oh, he's got a car, I said. Here, glove, do you hold a steering wheel? Yes, yes, I hold things. Smooth things, rough things, furry things. Look, said Nigel, pointing. There's a burn on the first finger. That's from a cigarette. We congratulated him. Douglas called him Old Sherlock. Right, I said. Then the owner of this glove drives a car and smokes. He isn't so very poor, and he's careless and kind and paints. Now. Dr. Smart, said Joe. That's about it, I said. But it wasn't. The long, thin, retired doctor met us on his drive, where he was transplanting some tiny shrubs. He looked like an enormous scarecrow in ragged trousers and shirt, with his hair standing on end. He told us that he never wore gloves. Bad for the circulation, said he. What you must do for cold hands is to wave them about freely. So. And he waved his long arms wildly in the air like a windmill. I thought how odd it would look in the streets, with everyone walking about whirling their arms all around them in cold weather. "'especially if their arms were as thin and lanky as his. "'What about on buses? "'There wouldn't be much room in rush hours.' "'I heard Joe saying we hadn't meant to disturb the doctor, "'but had thought we'd just inquire. "'Glad to see you. Drop in again,' said he. "'Come in the spring and I'll give you some daffodils, "'or a little painting.' "'We'd rather have real ones,' said Missy. "'We don't like dead dandelions.' "'Shh,' said Joe.' 
We held another conference beside the drinking trough on the hill that had been put there for thirsty horses. It was half full of water. After a minute, it was more than half full because of the addition of Douglas's left leg. He'd been sitting on the side and said he slipped. That mended tear in the glove, said Joe. It's triangular, as if it was torn by a bird's beak. Suppose the owner has a parrot. And suppose the owner is a lady, she went on eagerly, and someone gave her a pair of old gloves for painting. I don't mean artist painting, I mean house painting, decorating. You're thinking of Mrs. Snowden, I said. She loves her house. She's always at it. If she could, she'd do murals on the back wall. It's her for sure, said Douglas. It won't be, said the glove, sniffing. It wasn't. The bright and sparkling door of the white cottage opened a bare half inch. A kindly eye looked out at us, and near the ground another eye looked too, slanting and suspicious. I can't ask you in, said Mrs. Snowden apologetically, because if I open the door any farther, Piewacket will rush out, and he's carrying on a feud with the vicar's cat. They've both got torn ears already. Somewhere in the house behind her, a raucous voice told her to boil her head and drink a pinta. She called across her shoulder, the same to it. The parrot gave another screech. The cat yowled in its throat. Mrs. Snowden assured us that the glove was not hers. It was clever of you to remember that my brother sends me his old ones to paint in, said she, but not with a fur lining. It would be so clumsy for holding brushes. Piewacket slithered through the door slit and vanished over the wall. The vicar's cat must have been waiting, for a blood chilling uproar broke out, and Mrs. Snowden emerged like a bullet and took off in the direction of the fray. As she scrambled over the wall, she called to us, Take it to the bus station, why don't you? The lost property office. We held a conference by the bronze war memorial. Recap, I said. The owner may have dropped the glove on a bus, and it happened to fall off at our stop. He may have lost it anywhere. He may live anywhere in the whole countryside. We'd better take it to the office. But the glove set up such a wailing that we had to hurry down a deserted lane for fear of attracting attention. The doom is on me, it cried, flinging itself about despairingly. The fatal words are spoken. Lost property office. Lots of people find their things there, said Missy. I know, oh, I know that, it wailed. But it's the thought. Those are the awful words that haunt us all our lives. Those terrible, fearful words. Lost property office. Of course, there are worse places, far worse. Places like gutters, garbage pails, municipal rubbish heaps, bonfires. But alas, alas, that we should ever come to such things. Why can't our beloved hands keep us safely? Why don't they guard us and cherish us, cherish us, as we guard and cherish them? You'll have a better chance of finding them, I told it, at the lost. Don't say it! begged the glove brokenly. Take me there, if that is my last and only chance, but don't say the dreadful name. Jeremy, said Missy, I think it's Daddy's glove. And it was. It seemed he'd torn it on the cucumber frame that Ragnar broke. He smoked, he drove a car, and Mum was never good at mending. He was glad to see his glove again. He was just going out, and he put it in his pocket. 
As he got to the gate, he dropped the other one. "'Oh, no!' I said. I rushed with it after him. "'Do look after them, Dad,' I implored him. "'They hate getting lost.' He gave me a funny look. Then he said he'd noticed how sad and huddled an abandoned glove appeared. He stuffed his pair carefully into his pockets. The right-hand one gave a sigh of content and a little wriggle, but I hope he, but he didn't notice. It then lay perfectly still and quiet. I could only hope it would stay that way. "'I'm glad you found it,' said Dad, getting into the car. "'I'm quite attached to these old gloves.' "'They return your feelings,' I told him. He gave me another funny look and drove off. I went back to the house. A mad hunt was going on for a glove that Douglas had lost some months ago. And that's the end of chapter 7. See you next time.